In 2017, Yorta Yorta woman Tanya Day fell and hit her head multiple times while in police custody and later died in hospital from a brain hemorrhage. Days prior to the coronial inquest into her death, which began on Monday the 26th, the Attorney General announced moves to decriminalise public drunkenness in the state of Victoria. However, news of the breakthrough to decriminalise public drunkenness is bittersweet for Miss Day's daughters, April Watson and Belinda Stevens. Uh, it's great that you know that we're moving towards a, a health response. Um, that's certainly what we've been advocating for, and and many families and community before us. I think we also need to acknowledge that you know it was a major failure in the Victorian government's part to not implement these recommendations at the Royal Commission. And if they had done so, our mum and other Aboriginal people would still be here today. The move towards a health-based response comes some 30 years after the recommendation was put forward by the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. The Royal Commission published its final report in April of 1991, handing down 339 recommendations, including the states and territories decriminalise public drunkenness. The Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service CEO, Narita Waite, says the announcement is welcomed, but that if this was implemented sooner, Tanya Day would still be alive has been as a result of the family's calls for community-controlled health-based alternatives, and that's in large part due to the death of their mother. So their mother, Tanya Day, had got on the train to Melbourne and never made it home. She'd fallen asleep on the train and was arrested for public drunkenness. She died after sustaining a serious head injury in a police cell at Castlemaine Police Station the same day as the police officer's Christmas party. Hours of CCD footage were missing, and she was only 55 years old. If this offence had been repealed at that point and a health-based alternative implemented, Tanya Day wouldn't be dead today and she would be with her family and that's why this is important. This has come some 30 years since the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody made the recommendation. Why do you think it's taken so long? Perhaps it was fear of community response, uh, fear of the police response. Um, I'm not entirely sure. There could be, I mean, there have been a range of factors and... We could theorise that they didn't think that this was that important. Um, they couldn't see the everyday effects of it like we can as Aboriginal communities because you don't see people getting arrested and dying on the way home from South the Melbourne Cup or a footy match and that there are public responses that do work in other jurisdictions but Victoria didn't implement those because it wasn't people from a Melbourne Cup or a footy match. It was people heading home from trains from their communities back to their families and that's probably why. Mm, there, there was obviously some discussion, you know, in the past as well in terms of these laws, I guess, almost targeting Aboriginal people in a way. Do, do you think that's sort of the case as well? Well, if we look at um, just our clinical experience of the way this offence works, it's not people who are non-Aboriginal people who are travelling uh, home from, say, Brisbane Lions versus Tigers game. It's Aboriginal people on trains, Aboriginal people walking home, Aboriginal people... Uh, being in a public venue, those are the ones who are targeted, those are the ones who this defence is used against because they're seen as unruly and a risk. Interestingly, the announcement does come just days before the coronial inquest into the death of, of Yorta Yorta woman uh, Tanya Day, which I believe is beginning today. Uh, obviously, the family and others have been pushing for this for, for quite some time. Do, do you think, though, that this coronial inquest played a role in this announcement? Oh, for sure. Um, the coroner had actually called for this offence to be abolished and had asked uh, the state to respond to her uh, prior to the inquest starting. So no doubt that played a factor in the timing. It's a pretty sad reality then, isn't it, that it, it takes 
the death of a woman, uh, you know, the loss of a community member for something to essentially spark action in this area. Exactly. It, it is heartbreaking and further embeds those cycles of trauma when it takes our people uh, being killed as a result of offences that should have been gone quite some time ago in order to spark a change. We're thankful that the coroner made this recommendation and focused the state's attention on it. Um, Vows and other Aboriginal legal services in in their respective jurisdictions have had some luck in abolishing those offences and have also been very supportive in our calls for over 30 years to have this offence abolished. Um, But it's also really important to note that the inquest that's being heard this week not only focuses on this public drunkenness offence, but also focuses on uh, calls for accountability uh, for the death of Tanya Day, um, calling for independent investigations into deaths in custody, and eradicating systematic racism from from justice institutions. And that particular last one, in terms of the, um, you know, the racism that's embedded within the systems, I imagine that obviously that was quite a landmark decision when it was first brought up that that was potentially going to be explored. Do you hold that belief as well, that it's obviously a very significant thing to explore during this inquest? It's an essential matter uh, to investigate within this inquest. Once again, it's sad that it's taken this inquest and this death for this issue to be explored because our experience as a justice system is that one of systemic racism. This concept isn't new to Aboriginal communities. It's not even new to courts and uh, advocates within it who see how the system systematically pinpoints Aboriginal people as compared to their non-Aboriginal counterparts. And since the Royal Commission uh, into Aboriginal deaths in custody some 30 years ago, it's been reported that around 500 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have died in custody uh, nationally since then. Uh, What other measures do you think need to be taken in, in order to assure, ensure that, you know, mob aren't dying in custody? Because, I mean, that, that's a ridiculous number. Yes. Uh, as you say, four, uh, 514 Aboriginal and Islander people have died in custody across Australia since the Rikidik uh, review. None of those people should have died. The implementation of the Rikidik recommendations uh, is not complete. There are still an, a large number outstanding. Uh, those that have been implemented took significant time to implement. You're not talking a year or two, you're talking decades. Those recommendations in the CADIC we want fully implemented, but also subsequent reports um, that have been produced and that have the voices of Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people within them. And we need to be focusing not just on that point of interaction with the justice system, but prior to that, we need to be investing more in early prevention and diversion uh, investing in our children, um, in our families, so that there is less chance of interaction with a justice system that is skewed against them.